Well, uh, I wanted to look at another psalm today, uh, since I get to fill in for Pastor Joshua. Um, I did this the last time that I got to preach, and it was really a, a sweet blessing, a sweet blessing for me. I pray that it was a sweet blessing for you as well. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm chapter 9. We're going to read the entire chapter, uh, and then we're going to break it down bit by bit. The Psalms have been such a great tool and blessing throughout the centuries in times of trouble or joy. They are a sweet reminder of our God-given grace to cry out to the Lord in all circumstances. Many of the Psalms are songs that were written to be sung to God. Uh, However, if you've heard my singing voice, I can assure you it will be a favor to you this morning if I simply read them. Uh, If my wife wants to come up and sing, then that's a different story, but uh, I'll just read them. I'll I'll save you the trouble. So, uh, Psalm 9, beginning in verse 1, we're going to read again through the whole uh, psalm. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence, for you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished." But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me, O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation." The nations have sunk in the pit that they made. In the net that they hid, their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. Higion Selah. The wicked shall return to Sheol. All the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. And the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Selah. Church, God's word to us is such a sweet gift. God blesses us with his revelation in his word. In his word, we search out what God requires of us, what God's will is for his people, who God declares to be. We find hope, we find conviction, we find joy, we find sorrow and faith and fear and salvation 
We find trouble and we find truth, church. This world does not prove God's word to be true. God's word is true and it proves this world, his creation, to be what he has declared it is. In this psalm, we see so much of these truths, and these truths, along with all of God's word, can be an anchor for us in the tribulation of life. I pray, church, that we would go to God's word faithfully, eagerly. So let's dig into the psalm this morning, and let's exalt our good God. Psalm 9, verses 1 and 2. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Now perhaps contrary to what we might think due to the weight of this psalm, the writer begins with praise to God. In this opening, we see wholehearted thanks We see remembrance of wonderful deeds. We see gladness and exultation. And we see a song of praise to God, our Most High. In this psalm, we see much of the judgment and condemnation for the wicked. But here, the psalmist begins with praise. Many of us are blessed with a naturally joyful spirit. And it's not hard for us to praise God. But I wanted to take a moment this morning and do my best to encourage those who are feeling a great weight. I want to begin by asking this question, Christian. Where are you at this morning? Uh, Obviously, I don't mean geographically. If you can hear my voice, you're probably here. Maybe you're watching online. I don't know. Uh, I mean, how is it with your soul? Have you perhaps temporarily forgotten the wonderful deeds of your good God. I don't mean that flippantly. Even in such a short time as an elder, I'm made well aware of deep hurts, of a regular fear and concerns, of a consistent weight on the hearts of many of God's people. I do not aim to remove all of those, and and though I desperately want to and wish that I could, I am not able. This psalm does not aim to downplay these hurts, these weights, or these battles either. I do mean to encourage you to consider things that perhaps in the dark season of your heart you may have temporarily forgotten. God is good, Christian. Even the Christian, the the true believer in the deepest struggle, knows within their soul, whether they feel it well or not, that God is good. He has done many wondrous works, many things beyond the view of fallen man and to those whom he has saved. He's done things wonderful beyond words. Consider a few of these. God has removed your heart of stone, Christian, And he has given you a heart of flesh. God has removed the deafness of your ears and given you ears to hear. God has removed the blindness of your eyes and given you eyes to see and savor him as Lord. Salvation belongs to God. 
There are numerous other works that are, are breathtakingly amazing. Uh, consider the cosmos, the, the stars, the planets, the solar systems. These are some of my favorite things to look at and to stir my heart with in considering the magnitude and the glory of God. God has placed each star where he has decided, and he causes them to remain or to burn out. Consider the ocean, probably my second favorite of God's great creations that stir my heart to praise of him. The water that touches all of the earth. The unfathomable depths. The great power and force of its waves. And yet it cannot go an inch further than the Lord allows. Christian, consider the sacrifice of God in his Son on our behalf. Consider the mighty power of God to raise him on the third day and to deliver us from sin and condemnation through his own sacrifice. Oh, church, his deeds are wonderful indeed. I'm well aware that even in this considering, your heart may be heavy and still sunk in your chest. God has appointed our times and our seasons. And even though remembering the remembering of his deeds may not lift you from where you are, I cannot encourage you enough to practice remembering. Sometimes we must taste for months, perhaps years, until we once again see, or perhaps better said feel, that the Lord is good. He has not left you, though you may feel like he is absent. It is my prayer for you who are struggling that he would lift your head and that you would see that he has never been more present than he is now in this very hour. I pray God grants you to sing his praise again, to remember his good deeds, to exalt his name even in the depths and dark nights of the soul. He is unchanging Christian. I pray that you would find rest in this truth. Psalm 9, verses 3 through 4. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. The psalm turns from praise to a just condemnation for the wicked. Perhaps this is part of the wonderful deeds that the psalmist is remembering in his opening God is just. God will have his justice, and we see this truth most clearly at the cross. God's justice and mercy was revealed in the sacrificial death of his beloved son for sinners like you and like me. His enemies are our enemies. They do not win, and they will not go unpunished. They stumble and perish before our just and holy God. Church, God is on the throne. Praise his name. Our King Jesus reigns. He will have his justice, and we must warn those outside of his grace that there is great wrath awaiting their sin 
for God is just. I would also be remiss to not say this to you who profess faith. It is a sorrowful reality that many who profess faith continue on in sin, hardly fighting to put it away, even though God has clearly stated that this must not be the case for his beloved. For both the unbeliever and the believer, consider this quote from a pastor that I really appreciate, Vodi Bauckham. He said, It amazes me that we believe this. God would crush and kill his own son, but let you slide. Indeed, God will not permit this, for he is just. If his justice required such a great sacrifice, then we must not believe the lie that sin and unrighteousness will be given a pass. The only way to be saved from our unrighteousness is faith in the finished work of Christ Jesus, the righteous one. And if this faith is genuine, it will produce in us an ever-growing hatred of our own sin. We also see here in the psalm passage, Christian, that our God will maintain us in his justice if indeed we are standing or fighting for godly justice. Verse 4 declares that David's just cause was maintained. Christian, our just cause, which must be the just cause of God that we take up after him, right, is maintained. It is maintained because God is on the throne and he is just. Surely must... Sorry, surely we must see that this in its context was specific to David and his just cause in the turmoil that he found himself in when he wrote this psalm. However, it is nonetheless true for us today, Christian. God gives righteous judgment, and he has called us to live out his righteous ways. Pastor Joshua recently uh, shared a quote. Uh, it's one that he had shared years ago that has really resonated with me. R- resonated? It's stuck with me. It's a great quote. And, and over the years, I've thought about it often. It's a quote from William Perkins, and it says this. We must not think God does a thing because it is good and right, but rather the thing is good and right because God does it. God sits on the throne and he gives righteous judgments. In all of these, he is good and his judgments are good because he is God and is the one carrying these things out. Continuing in our Psalm chapter 9, verses 5 through 6. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out, the very memory of them has perished. Church, how many mighty nations have risen and fallen throughout the ages? God has wiped out and blotted from memory more than we will likely ever know. And yet, how many nations rage and plot in vain. The psalmist continues in his psalm condemning the wicked and remembering what God has done throughout history. 
God has rebuked wicked nations. He has made them perish and removed them from the world's memory. God's enemies will come to lasting ruins and will be forgotten. Even those names that we remember in the telling of our own histories are not remembered in the way that they tried to be known for when they were alive. Consider names like Hitler and Stalin. Each of these types of people wanted to make a great name for themselves. However, when those names are used now, it is to mark something as wicked and evil, not great. Even the names of those who were wicked are blotted out. And in a sense of their being remembered, it is not a good mark upon their name. In another clear reality, I want to encourage us to consider this as a warning. Woe to the nations that call good evil and evil good. We surely cannot be surprised by God's wrath poured out on the nations that promote every wicked way and rebel against God's good order of creation. And yet, in this Christian, even if we suffer because of God's wrath poured out on our very own nation, we have a lasting hope. Do not forget that this psalm begins with praise. See that it is good and right that God would not permit a nation to continue in its utter rebellion against him. Just consider the Roman Empire, larger and much longer lasting than our great nation. And yet it is now a story from history, and it is likely that should the Lord tarry in his return, there will be a day when Rome is forgotten completely. O church, pray that our nation would repent of its wicked ways and turn to God, that we may not join these nations in their ruin. Until then, Christian, warn the world around you of God's wrath for sinners and tell of the good news of salvation in Christ. Be balanced in your warning, but do not be afraid to speak the truth in love. The greatest enemy has been defeated in Christ. Death and sin have been defeated through the Son's finished work, and when he returns, there will be no more enemies for his people. Take heart in this truth, Christian. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 through 58. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, the Lord, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Remember, Christian, No matter what comes our way, the Lord is our strength. He is our shield. He is our ever-present help in time of trouble. 
Our labor will not be in vain. Christ has secured our victory. Christian, remain steadfast. Remain immovable. Remain always abounding in the work of the Lord, no matter what comes. Our work will not be in vain, for God has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 9, verses 7 through 8. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the people with uprightness. How deeply we need to remember this reality. It should cause us to come to him in fear and trembling for our own sin, and it should fill us with hope and confidence in Christ for his finished work. The Lord, Yahweh, he is the one who sits on the throne forever. God has established his eternal throne for his justice and in Christ. God's justice was met on our behalf, Christian. He is our king, church. It is his throne and his throne alone in which we bow our knees and submit to his rule. How easy it may be to forget these eternal truths in hard times. We have only tasted a minute amount of what many Christians have suffered throughout the centuries. And yet, in our context, it's a very real taste for us who have thus far been blessed with very little persecution for our faith. If things continue on the path they are on, we will lose jobs, we will lose friends, we'll lose various other things that God has blessed us with to this point. But know this, even if this nation is ruined by God's wrath and judgment, our King Christian is on his throne and will be forever. A day is coming when we who have been saved by God's mercy and grace will sing his praises forevermore. God judges the people with uprightness, and it is our only hope to be found in Christ, who is our righteousness, church. Psalm 9, verses 9 through 10. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. I know some of you are being faced with very difficult and very unjust pressures that we could not have imagined only a few years ago. I've only slightly tasted this personally. However, I know that some of you are here and you're feeling the full weight of this. And how timely is this psalm for you? Your Lord, Christian, is a stronghold for you in your oppression. A stronghold even in times of trouble. If you know his name, then remind your heart to put its trust in him. For he has not forsaken those who love him. It's an interesting way uh, that the verse ends. It says, for those who seek you. And in scripture, we clearly see, Romans 3, second part of verse 10 through 11, that None is righteous, 
No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. Church, as we know, the Scriptures are not contradictory. When we see this claim that's uh, actually a quote from the Old Testament, so it's in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that no one seeks for God, we know this is the truth for those for whom God has not saved. All of man that is dead in their sin will never seek for God. Of man's own will, dead in sin and enslaved to it, they cannot seek for God. They do not want to seek for God. But of God's sovereign will, he seeks his sheep, and he saves them through the regeneration and faith in Christ Jesus. Oh, may there be multitudes who seek after God, knowing it is only because of his grace that any would do so. I draw out this reality because of its connection to the truth spoken of in this psalm. Christian, can God fail? Of course he cannot. He will do all his holy will, and there is no one who can stop him or stay his hand. Even when we are struggling with doubts and fears, he is faithful. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11-13. through 13. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Even in our struggling at times to believe, to remember the good he has done, to see that he is at work until he calls us home, if we were saved by God, even in our struggle, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Now, if we outright deny him, then we reveal that we were never saved. But for those who struggle with doubts and wrestle with the heaviness of heart, remember that your salvation, if indeed it was from God, is secure in him. Even when you are faithless, he remains faithful. Since we know this, we can sing with the psalmist, Psalm 9, verses 9 through 10. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. If God has saved you, he will not now leave you. If God has pursued you with the might and sacrifice of Christ Jesus himself, then Christian, in times of trouble and oppression, you can know he is trustworthy and he is our hope. He has not forsaken us whom he has saved. He cannot fail you. If his son died for you, he will surely deliver you from your troubles. If not in this life, it will be done eternally. And what an eternity we have ahead of us, Christian, to enjoy our good God forever. See with me that this is where the psalmist goes. He goes from trusting and declaring that he has a stronghold in Christ, in God, and he goes from there to praise of God. Psalm 9, verses 11 through 12, Sing praises to the Lord who is enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds, 
For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. How do we handle persecution and trouble? We handle it with trust and praise to God. Christians, we know something that the world does not know. We only know it because God has saved us and given us the knowledge of it, so we dare not boast of this knowledge in ourselves. But as believers, we do indeed know it, and it should cause our hearts to sing with praise to God. God is on the throne. When governments and leaders fail, God is on the throne. When all is right with our world, God is on the throne. God reigns and rules no matter the amount of noise that is cast at him. He is on the throne and he will be forevermore. Sing praises to the Lord, church, who sits on the throne. Tell among the people his deeds. I hope you see that even in our troubles, we praise him and we tell of his deeds. We proclaim God's goodness, his faithfulness, his mercy, and his wrath in and out of hard seasons. We do this as loving warnings. We do this as sweet reminders to our souls, and we do it for the good of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at this particular verse in Psalm 9 with me again. Psalm 9, verse 12. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Church, God is the avenger. We do not take vengeance into our own hands. Rather, we trust God and his justice. David is making this point clear. Church, we must realize that in our sin-tattered hearts, we could not avenge without error. We could not do this perfectly, and since we ourselves are guilty of sin against our great God, we do not have the right to avenge, for we will only do so sinfully. See what David declares about this. Trust God in these things. God avenges and does so perfectly because he is the righteous one. God is the one who primarily has been sinned against. And so we trust his vengeance and not our own desires for it. Just consider this reality, Christian. How many times have you perhaps wanted vengeance against someone who maybe really truly caused you harm, only later to find out that God, in his great mercy, has saved that very person the same way he saved you. If God saves a man, then the vengeance for that man's sin was poured out on Christ Jesus our Lord. If we try and take vengeance in our own hands, not only will we do it imperfectly, but we may very well be guilty of declaring that Christ's suffering was not sufficient for that person, if indeed God saves them. Since we are so limited in what we know, we trust him who has no lack of knowledge to be the avenger of blood, and we know that he does not fail to hear the cry of his afflicted. Christian, warn of God's wrath and tell of his deeds, but rest in the knowledge that he does not forget the cry of the afflicted. 
know that God is the one who will set things right in his good timing. Do not be like the world that thinks it must get justice now. If justice does not happen now, there's a day coming when it will happen. No unjust thing will not go addressed. Trust him with that. Uh, One last point before we move on. Uh, Cry out to God. If he doesn't forget the cries of the afflicted, and you are afflicted, then cry out to him. When you feel afflicted, when someone does sin against you with the aim to hurt you, cry out in prayer to God. See how David found peace in his afflictions by crying out to God. Uh, Perhaps it is a cry from your heart in silence, or perhaps you, you quite literally cry out with a loud voice. In whatever way you do it, cry out to him. He will not forget or fail to hear your cries. He is a good God who loves his people and hears them when they cry out to him. Psalm 9, verses 13 through 14. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me, O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. The psalmist continues to cry out and to remember the grace of God. As I considered this psalm and and the back and forth of it, the um, seeming uh, anguish of the moment for David as he writes this, it brought comfort to me that I'm not crazy. It's a normal experience in a fallen world to be full of praise in one moment and in the next moment to cry out for grace and mercy and deliverance from evil. There's nothing wrong with us when we have a full experience of these things in the world that we live in. We are called by God to have a radical evenness of temper. But our temper and our feelings are different things. The ways in which the world and sin and God's love stir in our hearts can be various and real and fluctuate from moment to moment. We can go back and forth from praise to crying out. And we can do that while maintaining a radical evenness of temper. When we are working through these things, we are free to praise God and to cry out for grace and mercy. When we are afflicted and we remind ourselves of the great deeds and mercy of our Lord, it may pick us up momentarily. And when we feel the weight again, we may all the more need to cry out again and again. I I liken this to the plea of a man to Christ Jesus when he said, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. David shows great joy in singing praises to God and trusting him, and then great sorrow in pleading for grace and deliverance from his enemies. He pleads that God will lift him up from the gates of death that he may recount or remember again the praises that he has for God. He pleads for this so that he may rejoice in God's salvation. I appreciate the honesty, the realness of David in the psalm to bring to bear 
where his heart is at and to continually go to God in joy and in sorrow and in happiness and in hurt, right? It is a sweet reminder to my soul that the Lord will hear me, that I do not need to put on some kind of fake facade to come to God. He knows my heart better than I know it myself. Church, there will be days of great confidence in God's work, and there will be days of pleading to be lifted up from darkness and to remember God's goodness. May the dark days be few, but if they are not, if they are regular and ongoing moment by moment, cry out to God, for he is the lifter of the soul. Psalm 9, verses 13 to 14. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift, up, lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all of your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. Don't miss the depths of this cry, church. David was perhaps remembering his salvation from sin or his nearness to actual death as he faced his enemies in battle. And yet he cries out for more mercy from God who gives it abundantly. John Gill says of this verse, Have mercy on me, O Lord. The psalmist proceeds to petition on his own account in this verse. The ends he proposes by the fulfilling of them are mentioned in the next verse. A good man, a man called by the grace of God, though he has obtained mercy of the Lord, yet still stands in need of more of fresh discoveries, of pardoning grace and mercy, of merciful supplies, of merciful support, and merciful deliverance from enemies, inward and outward, and such as one flees to God and not to the creature, and pleads not his own dignity, righteousness, or merit, but the mercy of God. Consider my trouble which I suffer of them that hate me, or see my affliction because of mine enemies, Look upon me under it with an eye of pity and compassion and help and deliver me. And look upon mine enemies that give me this trouble and take vengeance on them. You that lifts me up from the gates of death, the house appointed for all living, that is, from the power of it, when just upon the brink of it, when near it as a person is to a house, when he is at the gates of it, either through sickness or some violent distemper of body, as Hezekiah says, sorry, as Hezekiah was, or through some imminent danger in battle as David was when engaged with Goliath, when everyone thought that he should fall by his hand. Or it may be this may have respect to his being raised up from the death of sin and delivered from the power of darkness to his being brought out of the horrible pit and the miry clay of an unregenerate state and set upon the rock of salvation, which is a lifting up indeed, an exaltation from a very low to a very high estate. And this the psalmist takes notice of to encourage his faith and makes use of it as an argument with God that as he had dealt so graciously and bountifully with him, he would still show mercy to him and look upon him under his affliction. Christian, when your heart sinks, when you feel like you're at the house of death, God can deliver you. So cry out to him. Remember what he has done. Remember the deliverance you already have in him from sin and death 
and plead for God to grant you more and more mercies. For as the scripture declares, his mercies are new every day. As Gil noted and as David declares, we plead for these things in a hope to remember and praise God for our salvation. Psalm 9 verse 14, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. Continuing on in Psalm 9 verses 15 through 16, the nations have sunk in the pit that they made, in the net that they hid. Their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. Higion Selah. Scripture regularly reveals that those who do evil end up catching themselves in the very evil that they do. God has set his world to operate in a way that ongoing wickedness and sin brings ruin to those who do it. Just consider this. A nation that hates God and wants to remove all of God's people from it may one day indeed see what their nation looks like without God's people and God's mercy to restrain evil from it. The net that these nations set will be the very net they find themselves caught in and it will be a miserable place indeed. Oftentimes, God's hand, God, sorry, God hands people over to the desires, to their desires, as a pouring out of his wrath for their sinful rebellion. We see this clearly in Romans 1, and it is a judgment of God to remove his people and his restraining of wickedness of sin in a nation or in an individual. Romans 1, verses 18 through 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, and birds and animals and creeping things." Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Notice the therefore in our Romans passage. God had made himself known in his creation And yet man in his sin has rebelled and refused to acknowledge God or give thanks to him. In their sinful unrighteousness, they suppress what God has made known to them so that they can continue to be their own gods, to chase after their own sinful desires and their idols of their heart. 
And Paul declares that therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity. God pours out his wrath in handing sinners over to their sin. And it is this very own trap that they had set that they end up being caught in themselves. I have to wonder if Paul was considering this psalm as he wrote this verse in Romans chapter 1. There are so many similarities. Let let me read the psalm passage again and just consider what we read in Romans 1. Psalm 9, verses 15 through 16. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made. In the net that they hid, their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. You see, the Lord has made himself known, and yet the nations, or in our psalm passage, and the individuals in our Romans passage have denied God. They've suppressed the truth about God, and they've chased after their own sinful ways. In so doing, God has handed them over to their sin, and they are now caught up in the very nets and traps that they set for others themselves. Oh, what a darkened condition to be in when God grants you the sinful desires of your heart instead of mercifully showing you the death that those desires lead you to. This is God's judgment. It is why the wicked become snared in the work of their own hands. Let's continue in our psalm passage, chapter 9, verses 17 through 18. The wicked shall return to Sheol, and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Church, pray for our nation. See the ruin it may be headed for, and pray. Pray for repentance. Pray for faith. Pray for a turning from wickedness. Be a light in a dark place. Do not lose hope, even if our nation forgets God as it has appeared to do so in many ways. Those who hope in the Lord will not be forgotten. The wicked will perish and return to Sheol. All the nations that forget God will one day be removed from the new heavens and the new earth and will be no more. But God will save his people, and we will rejoice with him forever. We have an enduring hope. No matter the darkness of our circumstances, God is sovereign over our circumstances, and he is at work. He will not forget his people. Even if they become needy and poor, they will not perish forever. Oh, I pray that believers all over the world in much darker places and in this place will hear these truths, will consider them, will be encouraged. I pray that they will be uplifted by these realities. God is on the throne. God cannot deny himself. And he has promised salvation to his people. Our salvation has been secured in Christ If God put his son on the cross to purchase a bride for him, he will surely return for that bride, Jesus' church. 
Until that day, we must, as faithful believers, be on mission to warn the world of God's wrath and to tell them of God's mercy in Christ. Psalm 9, verses 19 through 20. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Selah. As David cried out for God to judge the nations and to punish wickedness and evil, we are, as believers, to cry out for the same things. We should pray that God would bring judgment upon wicked nations and peoples, and we should pray that he would bring his mercy to his people and to deliver us from wickedness. We can do this all the while proclaiming the gospel and praying that God would be at work to save the very wicked people whom we cry out for justice against. God's justice will be met either on the day of judgment for the wicked or at the cross of Christ for his redeemed. This is not a a contradiction. Pray for salvation for sinners and pray for God's justice to bring to bear the fear of the Lord upon the wicked. Apart from the right fear of God, no one will be saved. Pay particular attention to the final words of this psalm, church. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Church, we are to remind men of their failure to acknowledge the difference between themselves as created and God as the creator. This truth really pours into every aspect of our life. When I'm being challenged or ordered at work to do something that dishonors God, I must obey God rather than men. When I'm being challenged in my home to do or to believe something that dishonors God, I must obey God rather than men. When my nation promotes wickedness and presses upon me to join them in these things as if they are good, I am to obey God rather than men. If it costs me my life, I am to obey God rather than men. Acts 5 verse 29, But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. In this obedience, I want to remind man that they are not God, but that they are mere men. This is a perfect opportunity to tell of God's wrath against sinners and of his grace in and through Jesus' finished work. Church, it is okay for you to remind wicked people and even wicked nations that they are but men. David wrote it into this song that the church would sing in praise to God. In closing, I want to remind you of the vast areas that we covered this morning in Psalm 9. I I pray that it uh, encourages you, that it brings you comfort, that uh, it lifts your head, or that it strengthens your heart. Um, We are promised that God hears our cries, and that should bring a joy to us in any circumstance. Even when we do not feel like it, God hears us, And is present. When we are in heavy seasons of suffering or doubt, we are invited to cry out to God who hears us. 
Even if this affliction is not an outward one, but an inward one, as Gil declared in the quote that I read to you, God is the lifter of our heads. He may not lift our heads now. It may be years, but there will be no one else who's able to do it. Salvation comes from God, church. Eternal salvation forever with Christ and salvation from whatever ails or affects you now. Perhaps you are in a good and bright season of life. Praise God for that. Many of you, God has really graciously just given a, a, a regular joyful spirit. I married one. I know. Praise God for that. Such a blessing. David, in one verse, praises God. And in the next verse, Christ for mercy. God is the sustainer of our bodies and our souls. He knows our hearts better than we do ourselves. So sing praises to him and cry out to him. In whatever state God has you in, may your heart be turned to him. In this psalm, we see that God is righteous. He is the avenger of blood. He is the judge. He is the one who puts his fear into man. He is our salvation from eternal enemies and from temporary ones. He is the lifter of our soul even when we are near death. He hears our cries. He does not forget us. He is praiseworthy. He gives his mercies to us abundantly. He does not fail. Take heart, Christian. We are but mere men. God is sovereign. King Jesus is on the throne. And he is our hope. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for our time together this morning, for uh, your rich word that you've graciously blessed us with. Thank you for the psalmist, for your spirit guiding his words and Thank you for just a, a, a realness that we in our uh, fallible human experience taste the, the ups and downs of living in a sin-filled world. I pray, Lord, that you would use those realities to draw our hearts and our minds and our focus back to you, the sustainer of our souls. Whether there are hearts in in dark places and in seasons of just weighty matters or in joyful places of, of great success and, and happiness. We need you to draw our hearts and our minds and our focus to you. And so we trust you, Lord. We know that King Jesus reigns. We submit ourselves to you, to you alone. It is because of Christ that we can pray. Amen.